0: Hello and welcome to the Evergreen Way podcast, where we explore how to be a healthy leader for the long haul. My name is Andy Needham, and I have the privilege of serving on the team with Converge Northeast. And we are excited to bring you a conversation today with a special friend of mine, Dan Nichols. I met Dan right around two years ago. I had just started in my role with Converge, and I had a friend reach out to me and said, you need to go out to central New York and you need to see what God's doing with the Northeast Collaborative, the Northeast Leadership Summit, and this guy, Dan Nichols and and his team and what God is doing there. And so I jumped in my car and it was the first time I made the drive out to the Syracuse, central New York area. And it's a beautiful drive from New Hampshire. It takes you through the mountains of Vermont. And little did I know that I'd end up going out there a number of times, building a great friendship with Dan a number of other churches in there. And Dan's church is actually one of a couple that have joined Converge Northeast uh, in this last two years, which has been really exciting. There's a lot to love about Dan and you'll see he's high energy. He's got background in church planting. He is just a natural connector and collaborator and someone who just waves the flag of churches championing one another, that we are all together on the same team as gospel-hearted, gospel-centered people. The other thing that you're going to hear about today is just the way that Dan is building up new leaders. I I love the way that he is in his church. Uh, He's he's a Dan's a great uh, preacher and communicator. I love sitting under his teaching, but he has been very intentional about the way that he's structured his church so that other people get to share the platform, and that is just something that we need more of in the church today as we look to build the pastors and planters of the future. And Dan is modeling that, and I love that about this friend of mine. So those are just a few of the things we get into. This is a wide ranging conversation. I love to introduce you right now to my friend, Dan Nichols. Today, we're going to have a real fun conversation with a true, somebody who is a a kindred spirit of mine. Uh, When I met him, I was like, how did I not know you before this? Dan Nichols, Central New York and beyond, uh, pastoring Grace Fellowship and leading an incredible network out there. Dan, thanks for jumping on today.
1: Dude, thanks for the opportunity.
0: So Dan, can you just give people a picture of what ministry looks like today? You're serving at a local church and have been doing a great job uh, with an established church. We'll talk in a minute about your church planning background, but then you're also uh, just a natural connector and collaborator and get to do that in some fun ways. Talk about that for a second.
1: Yeah, um, two years ago, God called me and my best friend, Joy, my wife. Uh, We've been married 10 years and our two boys, Landon and Declan to Central New York to Grace Christian Fellowship, which is a 222-year-old church. It started when Thomas Jefferson was president. And I actually have a book written, like the the original book from the 1800s that has even more history of this faith family. But um, 20 or 30 years ago, they became Grace Christian Fellowship. They were originally Homer Baptist. And the guy who planted this church when Thomas Jefferson was president was a convert of the Second Great Awakening. Wow. So pretty amazing stuff. But they became Grace Christian Fellowship. And we are in a facility now that is uh, coming up on 20 years old. So we're not in the original facility, (laughs) but uh, it's an amazing uh, group of people here and learning more about the culture of Central New York. If you don't know much about Central New York, the one thing you got to know is we have the best chocolate milk. In the world. <laughs> like, if you are a chocolate milk aficionado, this is where you need to come, especially the mint chocolate milk.
0: Oh, it's okay. Incredible. You maybe winning me over there with that one, too. And uh, it talk, talk to me about the uh, Northeast Collaborative.
1: Yeah. So, Northeast Collaborative uh, was launched from the legacy of a former ministry of Baptist Bible Seminary called Project Jerusalem. Uh, but uh, we launched out to empower pastors to lead and launch healthy churches in the Northeast. So that officially launched in 2019. In February of 2020, we had two incredible trainings, 115 leaders around the Northeast. It was just soaring. And then March 2020, we all know what happened there. And God really pivoted um, what we needed to do. Instead of just starting new churches, we needed to help established churches get stronger. So we've been working on that for a few years. Uh, God's There's a lot of initiatives and ways we do that. The biggest way that I frame it is we empower pastors to run their race. So R-A-C-E, Resourcing, Accountability, Conferences, and Encouragement. So that's what we do. And uh, we serve uh, a lot of churches and and pastors around uh, the Northeast, specifically uh, New York, and Pennsylvania, New Jersey are where most of our relationships are currently. Yeah. We, we actually met at one of your
0: conferences and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more later today, but just such a kindred spirit with, um, you know, both uh, my heart, but also with Converge Northeast and your church has become a partner with Converge as well and, ter- and looking yes. towards the future for church planning. And so we just love being kingdom minded and, and uh, we'll talk, that'll definitely be a theme that'll run through our time today. I know that recently You just returned to a a pretty important place in your life, uh, a a 10-year anniversary of a milestone of a church that you are a part of starting. So can you talk about uh, what it was like to go back? And then let's talk a little bit about church planning today.
1: (laughs) Yes, church planning is such a a huge passion in my heart. Uh, Lived that life for many years. Uh, So yeah, uh, back in the day, my best friend Tim and I were in a dorm room dreaming about what it would like to start a church in inner city, Wokesbury, Pennsylvania. And so uh, I moved down in March of 2012 into a neighborhood of row houses where we didn't know very much, but we knew that people needed Jesus in the city. And our neighbors right through the walls were um, sex offenders, a Wiccan witch, a heroin dealer, a young lady who slept under the bridge with different boyfriends she'd bring over. We just opened up that row house. Uh, for uh, an hour of a meal and an hour of a walk through scripture, and again, it was just me in my twenties, my best friend Tim in his twenties, my sister Cynthia in her twenties, and our friend Seth. And God took it from there. So ten years later, uh, restored has celebrated 174 baptisms. Um, restored has given away. I, Tim just talked about this, and I, at the ten year anniversary, and this was remarkable. Um, and a lot of it is due to his uh, generous heart. But restored has now given away more than our first two or three annual budgets (laughs) so like financially restored has given away more than we budgeted for in like our first two to three years of operations it's just incredible and um restored is a very unique church in in a sense of um i mean people would literally come in and write in the bibles in the back Don't believe these people. They're lying to you, (laughs) Uh, which of which we would snap a picture, put it up the next week and say, we are so glad you're here. (laughs) Like, this is the whole reason why we're here is to to have these conversations with people coming from every different background, every walk of life. And uh, I could talk about Restored for hours. But man, God has just God has done an amazing thing that we never ever thought possible, but God is the God of the impossible and restored, uh, is proof of that.
0: So maybe you can think about one or two ways that your, uh, expectations of church planning, uh, as you started, and then the realities, as you look back on the other side, celebrating God's faithfulness in 10 years, uh, where did you see that like difference where God surprised you or something showed up a way that you did not expect?
1: Well, we were just celebrating this over the weekend. Tim was highlighting especially the um, the coaching that we had going into it was spectacular. Very few, a lot of church planning doesn't go well because of lack of healthy coaching. Mm. God surrounded us with mentors and coaches in our young 20s that <laughs> would steer us straight. Yeah. And that made all the difference. So I did not come into it the way that many do with these, hey, I'm going to preach a bunch of sermons and Tons of people in this city are just going to come to want me, you know, monologue for an hour or whatever, which Tim and I literally did. We actually back in the day, we would preach 55 to 60 minute sermons on the regular and people kept coming. That was crazy. But really, the hallmark of Restore's journey was not Sunday events. Mm -hmm. It was literally just sitting down in row houses in different places in the city and just loving people and getting little Caesar's pizzas Mm. and opening up God's word and saying, here's what it says. Here's what it means. Here's how it applies to your life. I mean the simplest things. And I think so many people think church planning is about reshuffling the deck of like having a certain ministry philosophy or, you know, structures and systems and all these things really at the end of the day, it's just going and living out the great commandment, the great commission and the great collaboration. And that was another thing that I didn't expect Mm i I thought in a city that's like four percent are following jesus and ninety six percent are still far from God, churches and pastors and leaders would all want to collaborate like we'd all want to work together. and you know, in Wilkesbury, we have seen God do amazing things that way. Like right now, the fruit of collaboration is mm. incredible, but I did not understand how hard it would be and and also honestly, a lot of the the hardest part of church planning was the friendly fire, right? like mm interactions and relationships with other followers of Jesus or other churches and leaders. And sometimes that went really well, we were able to work through things. Other times it wasn't. But one of the first things I did was just meet with as many pastors as I could, and say, we're here to reach people who don't know Jesus yet. Want to build a bridge. Sometimes that went well, sometimes it didn't. But man, Satan knows what he's doing. And I think Satan's number one strategy is to attack from within. Mm -hmm. And so you know we went in with a posture of we just want to be a part of what god's doing in the city we're not the only thing and the cool thing is a lot of other churches have been planted in the Luzerne county pennsylvania area and that's what it takes but you have to lean into the hardship of you're not going to be best friends with everybody
0: yeah i appreciate <laughs> what you said there that Jesus. you know sometimes those rifts would actually produce you know when we can go through conflict with people and come on the other side sometimes that produces greater trust but mm-hmm. it also is not all roses and rainbows. Like there were times when you felt like, no, we're, we're just going to stay at a distance. And, you know, that's, that's a you know, for your, um, for you to persist and, uh, it's encouraging, you know, to see what God has done through that, that church and, and God is doing in that, that city. This kind of taps right into, you know, your heart for collaboration, um, which, you know, last year at, uh, the Northeast leadership summit, you kind of gave your, uh, magnum opus, of uh yes. collaboration which is uh no, yes. no turf wars and um which just resonated so much with i know who you are but how you've led and how you've built bridges uh now not just in the wilkes area but all uh, really in central new york pennsylvania and beyond and so how um how have you kind of seen that work well and what have been some of some of the breakthroughs that you've seen in collaboration
1: well one of the things we've seen is um pastors getting together just to share their stories. And it's so easy to demonize from a distance, but I think it's Brian Loretz who says proximity breeds empathy. Mm. So oftentimes, I mean, like even in one of our cohorts, I mean, there were two pastors that came and for the first time. They had served together for 30 years in the same city, uh, same theology, pretty much uh, same size church, had never really hung out, never really gotten to know each other. And they were sitting next to each other. They knew of each other, but they were sitting in this cohort and they're going, man, I wish that we had spent time getting to know each other in those 30 years we were serving in the same city. Wow. And, you know, we're starting to see like that is the reality for many pastors and churches like historically, but we're starting to see those walls break down by simply getting pastors together to share their story. And then they can resonate with each other and go, wow, you struggle with that. Too? I struggle with that. too." Like, no way. I didn't I never knew that. Mm-hmm. Or if you have if you have been demonizing from a distance, you start to recognize, oh, there's more going on here than just what I see on social media, or just what I see on a website, yes. or or just what other people's perspectives are. Because so often leaders and churches only get the perspective of each other through secondhand means that oftentimes isn't even really <laughs> passed along in a godly fashion. Yeah, the grumpy people leaving your church going to the next church down <laughs> the road.
0: <laughs> yeah, or whatever yeah, that is. Yeah, I,
1: I've seen I've seen amazing walls break down, especially in Wilkesbury. Um, we over the last decade have seen so much more intentional, not just projects and not just events, yep. but very real gut level, uh, transparency and vulnerability with each other and a willingness to celebrate each other mm. to celebrate, you know, cause we can say all the time, Oh yeah. You know, we love it when yep. God's kingdom grows, but internally as leaders, oftentimes we're like, "Ah, oh, they're growing or they got this or they got that. Like, like, one of the things that helped with that was when people would come to Restored from another church, mm. one of the first things when they would mention their pastor or whatever, one of the first things I was able to do with all, most of them was, oh, my gosh, I just had a meal with him like a few months ago or I was just hanging out with them. Like, I love him. I yeah. love her. I think they're great, <laughs> you know, and just the looks in their eyes were kind of like, oh, oh, we were thinking it'd be opposite. But no, just like letting people know, hey. We love every gospel-centered church, and even the churches that um, are straying from the gospel. We would build build bridges with them Mm -hmm. and try to love them like Jesus would too. So, yeah, no, it's it's one of those things that I think you know,
0: especially being in a role like I am now, working with so many churches. Like I just recognize, like pastors, they do bear a heavy load. Like um, it is the easy thing to do uh, because your calendar will easily fill. You'll always have more to do than you'll have time. And it just sometimes will feel like the low priority to spend the inefficient, quote unquote, time of building bridges and relationships. But what we see over and over is that that is one of the keystones for resiliency long term in industry. And so, like, you know, it's, it's sort of the cliche, but you can go fast by yourself. But if you want to go far and you want to go long, you need to do it together for sure um so one of the things that you guys model maybe you talk about this i think you stole it from somebody else like every good ministry idea but you actually <laughs> practice this on a weekly basis in your church how have you cultivated that and you you guys mentioned another church by name and pray for them each sunday maybe you could talk about that practice that you have
1: yeah we got that idea from several churches but i think um the chapel in buffalo started doing that missio church in syracuse uh, Steamtown church in scranton so we we've just been on the receiving end of really great um, leaders who've gone before us in the collaborative space. And yeah, like that actually is one of the things that Grace Christian Fellowship now here in Cortland that people will comment on the most is that they've never seen a local church intentionally pray for other gospel centered churches every week like they've just never seen that or ever, let alone weekly, but yeah. ever. And uh that has been really fruitful just in letting people know that we are about the kingdom and grace christian fellowship is a an amazing faith family but at the end of the day when god looks down on any geography he doesn't see the 501c3s he just sees his kids mm, amen <laughs> and he's he's begging us john 17 i could preach i'm not going to but you know read john 17 you'll see it i just want y'all to get along because you know, Jesus and his father and the Holy Spirit have never gossiped about each other. Mm. They've never been jealous of each other. And he wants us to to flow in that same way. Now we're fallen, broken sinners. We're never going to do it perfectly. But because of the pre- the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can do far more in loving each other well than we think we can.
0: Mm. Yeah, I just appreciate so much the way that you've been, you know, it's culture is cultivated. And you have been able to find ways like that that you can, I mean, I don't, this is one of those things that costs the church nothing to do. Like God will always be honored by it. Like you can do this again, maybe you do it once a month. You can, you can, you can practice it how you want to, but to demonstrate to your people uh, from the platform, that type of, of humility is a, is a really, really cool thing. Yeah.
1: Well, you mentioned cost. I just want to say on the cost thing, I think oftentimes the most fruitful things we think will cost money. It's it's less about money and it's more about time and intentionality. Mm. Like like with evangelism, so many churches are like, "Why are we not evangelistic?" I hate to break it to you, but oftentimes it's because pastors <laughs> are are not intentionally sacrificing time and intentionality, and the more that we as pastors can just I'll tell you, the way to change a culture evangelistically is to share stories mm. of how you are actually taking time to invest in people who are far from God. And that it doesn't cost anything financially. I mean, it might if you're taking people out to dinner or you're doing activities. But like most of the cost in that is you're giving up time for church people. And instead of making more religious people happy, Mm. (laughs) you're going to take some time Uh, I think Tom Rainer has this whole thing about, you know, pastors need to dedicate 10% or something. He has a percentage that he's been encouraging pastors in. I don't care about the percentage. I'm just trying to say, pastors, let's do some (laughs) like intentional life on life, investing in people who don't know Jesus yet. And then you just tell those stories, Mm -hmm. just like praying for other churches. Costs nothing financially, but it definitely is risky in terms of, you know, When you pray for other churches, you have to back that up with healthy relationships and not either tearing them down or trying to compete or whatever. So the risk is there. The cost is there. It's just different than financial.
0: Yeah. um, Just today I was um, at the gym that I work out at and there's somebody that I've been getting to know over the course of the last year and they came to me they know, they know that I'm the pastor you know, uh, (laughs) and, uh, it's been, there's been some funny times where that's come up in different ways, which is always great in the Northeast, but her niece who's 33 just had, um, a major health issue and as a two-year-old and is in the hospital. And, uh, you know, she legitimately is like asked me to pray for her niece. And I was like, you know, what a breakthrough and an opportunity to, yes to be able to do that. And so those, you know, and, and I realize you know, even in, in this role that I have, where I travel around to church all the time, like I have to I, if I'm not intentional about creating spaces where I'm actually around people that don't know that aren't in the church world, I could spend every waking moment in the bubble. Uh, and I love the bubble. So I'm, I'm all about pastors. I love hanging out with churches. Like it fuels my soul. It's what I love to do. It's kind of what I feel like I'm born to do, but uh, that, and then the other thing, um, I don't know if you know the app bless every home, uh, but I've been digging in. It, it actually identifies all your neighbors and, yeah. and just reminds you every day to pray for them. And So it's just changed as we go for it. We walk the dog every day. Now I know I I can kind of think about the different neighbors that are on my street and uh, their stories and we've been getting to know, to know them. And so it just, like you said, it's so easy to not be intentional. Like it's, we
1: always drift towards not doing it. (laughs) And um, that's such an important thing, but a lot of this. Let's plug that the the blesseveryhome.com website. Seriously. I've been getting those emails for years now. Um, Andy's doing it. Please, if you're listening or watching, blesseveryhome.com just just get an email and you'll learn the names of your neighbors and at the very least you can pray for them but hopefully it'll lead to more
0: yeah so it's a very simple interface and when i first signed up for it like i was like i'm gonna get to know like the 50 homes around me and i actually had to shift it i was like i'm gonna cut this down to like nine or ten so yeah. i could actually get to, you know so you can actually customize it and kind of think about like maybe there's a route that you walk every day or um you know where you drive to work and and it just it's a good way to it actually pulls up the data from the, who owns the house and um it's a kind of a cool 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 free and it's free churches can use it individuals there we can go. use it so that's <laughs> free baby. Yeah, that's right that's our that's our love <laughs> language right there so um part of what you're talking about here though intentionality um you know there's different philosophies on how a pastor should spend their time and there's contextual factors to that who god has made you to be and where you're serving depending if you're a solo pastor which most are vocational. if you happen to be able yeah. to have have multi-staff but there are some things that i've kind of watched you do uh, like you said one of those intentional with spending time with people who are far from god but also the way that you uh, sort of cultivate other people to be preachers in your church so could we talk about that a little bit because uh, you uh, are a, an amazing communicator people love your preaching. And yet, if you come to Grace Fellowship on a given Sunday, it may be you and it may be somebody else preaching that
1: week. Yeah. Yeah. I I told Grace when I came. Thankfully, my predecessor, Mike Dunn, did an amazing job before me for 12 years, paving the way, um, doing a lot of stuff that I could never do. But he had already built a team teaching uh, model for Grace. So that was helpful. But at Restored, we had that model. And it was funny, when, when Tim and I started dreaming about planning church, I was the lead church planner. He was the shepherding pastor. And I was very selfish. I mean, I, I, I said, 60% is mine, 40% is yours. The more he started preaching, the better he got.
0: <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> and he came to me and
1: he said, Dan, I really think we should split it 50-50. Because he, he reminded me, the, your whole game plan, the whole reason you went with a mission agency was to raise me up so that I'll take the church, which has, has happened. And in that moment, I'm just like, no, like I was so selfish. I was just like, dude, no, like I'm 60, you 40, stay in your place, dude. And then Tim, like like no one else can just lovingly in that moment is like, dude, you're an idiot. (laughs) I think he was a little bit gentler than that, but he was basically like, bro, like you're literally just being selfish right now. Like Mm -hmm. you're you're not leaning into the game plan. And he wasn't being selfish. He was just genuinely getting in, And he's he's literally one of the best preachers in the Northeast. I mean, Tim Walker is just unbelievable. And I had to recognize in that moment that the reason I was holding on to that 60 <clears> percent <throat> was because it, I just wanted people to hear me more. It really wasn't a godly motivation. And so that's where it started. And then we started developing and giving guys opportunities when we were very small to uh, lead Uh, community groups which is how we started but then eventually when we started sundays to start preaching and i'll tell you starting out it was messy (laughs) it was messy i mean there were sometimes some guys uh like one in particular i know his first run through and he knows this i mean it was literally like oh my gosh like is this even going to be a thing today he'll send me stuff for review and I'll, I'll have a hard time finding anything to critique. He's, he's just become so good. But the, the, the simplicity of just giving the opportunities mm. is what has allowed that to happen. So I've carried that over into Grace Christian Fellowship. And now I do 25 to 30 sermons a year. Uh, we have uh, other pastors on the staff. We also have lay preachers from the congregation. And I'll tell you, I mean, I posted about this. I won't do the full rundown, but one of the biggest wins of this is that when people come into church, especially people who are skeptical, struggling in their faith, far from God, when they see a paid religious professional, they literally are thinking, yeah, you get paid to say that. When they hear it from a mechanic, right, or one of the school teachers in their community, they're like, whoa, oh, -hmm. oh, okay. (laughs) Like who the message comes from matters. And I truly believe the future of the church, especially because there's going to be so much more bivocational, co-vocational uh, realities. We need to give other leaders opportunities to communicate God's word. And I just feel like we've done the church a great disservice by only having rock star preachers. Mm. And and the other reason I do it is to kill consumerism. So like the, the it's no secret, the modern American church has a major consumerism problem. And I've told our board, I'm like, yeah, if I preached every Sunday, I'm sure we would get a lot more attenders on Sundays. But here's the issue. We're not just filling seats. Like success is not B3, butts, buildings, budgets. Like that's not what we're about. We're about C4 because it's explosive. And yes, I am corny on purpose. (laughs) It is character, community, conversions, and catapults. And the catapult part includes preaching. Mm-hmm.
0: I just want to encourage anybody who's listening here that even if you're not in the lead pastor role or you're like, you know, Dan was mentioning that there is a small church plant, not even meeting yet on Sunday morning. And they were already cultivating this practice to ask, like, what are the things that you're holding on to in leadership? Because you can just run on your talent. You can probably go faster again, you know, and but God might be calling you to, you know. Is to make disciples by allowing other people to have those opportunities. It would just be a key yeah. thing. Now I know you're not just flippant about it. <laughs> so oh no, yeah. So how do you? Uh, let's take the example of a lay leader. I mean, obviously you're not just you know oh somebody is you know can do a TED yeah. talk. Yeah, <laughs> no, that
1: that's a good clarifier because it's not like you just get a warm body and you go hey go up on stage and monologue for half yeah. an hour. No. Um, so first of all, the, the thing that matters most is, uh, character. Mm-hmm. So like you have to identify character, like are who in your church is really chasing after the heart of God who loves Jesus. And, um, you know, so, so you start with the life, right? Evaluating like, is someone, does their life back up, you know, mm-hmm. their words. And then secondly is, you know, a desire, right? Yes. Now, some people desire preaching for wrong motives, but some people like, you know, you have to. Some people are going to be more reticent; others are more willing. But you got to know why, and you got to dig into that a little bit. That's great. So it's through relationship, uh, and then it's also through you know training. So you know, run throughs. Um, oftentimes, we'd have them preach in other venues. One of the best ones was our uh, rescue mission in uh, Wilkesbury. Like when you preach at a rescue mission, it is a whole different thing, and it, it trains you as a communicator in in so many great ways. Uh, college campuses, college ministries. Uh, That was actually the one question I got to ask Tim Keller when I was starting out er, early in ministry. I said, how do you train more preachers? And he said, college ministry, because college students will force you to think through why you say what you say more. Mm. Uh, So yeah, opportunities to preach in other places, um, run-throughs, feedback. Uh, We have a form that we got from Northridge Church in Rochester that's crazy helpful, still use it today. Uh, and then walking through, um, training materials that I've, I've gotten. And, um, there's a, there's a different variety. Some, some people they'll need more theological yeah. stuff, but others, they're solid on theology. It's more about presentation. Yep. Right. And so helping with either.
0: Yeah. You, you really tapped into a lot of really good things in there and, uh, the, the character understanding what the motivation is, and then also identifying where they need help. Um, because, yeah, I mean that's that tends to be the the two places that people. If you, it's a little oversimplistic, but it's either you know they may struggle to have the depth of theology, but oftentimes a lot of our people who do have biblical literacy, who are the mature leaders, it's actually the editing. I mean, all of us who have communicated more, it's it's actually the yes. things that you cut out of your message and you leave on the. Yes. you don't have to. You know
1: say everything. Uh,
0: That's the hardest part of the the battle for for a lot of us. Like you said, you used to preach 55 minute messages. So,
1: (laughs) Oh, bro. I go back and listen. And even so we were just celebrating at this celebration weekend, we were giving uh, Pastor Pat a hard time because his first two sermons, the first one was literally 80 minutes. And then the second one, was 20 something Oh yeah yeah. so in his first sermon he would set the record for longest (laughs) and his second he set the record for shortest and we've never let him live it down but i actually just had him come up to grace Mm -hmm. to preach and again what god has done in pad's life um like it's unbelievable but like we have to give people the opportunity to grow they're not gonna grow if they don't actually do stuff Mm -hmm. so it's beyond preaching Right, it's in any area of service or ministry. Mm. We have to let people do things. I, this Sunday, I'm preaching on discipleship, and I'm I'm, I'm going to hit some uh, ping pong balls into the crowd because I'm a golfer, and I'm be like, look, I can claim to be a golfer, but if I never golf, am I really a golfer? Mm. <laughs> so, like, we have a lot of Christians, but do we actually have disciples? And when it comes to serving, it's like. Why aren't people growing? People aren't growing because we haven't given them opportunities to serve and to actually do stuff.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a common story right now. We think about this a lot with our team. We were just with our board with Converge Northeast, and they really gave us the mandate like we need to increase our intentionality and find ways to develop the next generation of pastors and planters. Mm. We see that there's going to be a, just a dramatic shortage of qualified uh, leaders and one of again there's it's no there's no silver bullet to this which is you know why it's so difficult but yeah I think oftentimes within the church we are really good at developing leaders to a certain level of competency but to get them like we put a lid on the idea that some of our leaders might be need to be sent out vocationally some of them You know, we don't open up the pulpit. We wonder why we struggle for elders, um, you know? And so I do think that that space of sort of like from high capacity volunteer that might be running a small group or leading Mm -hmm. at a high level in a student ministry or leading worship, from there into like high influence leadership in the church and then even beyond the local church is one of the yes. areas that we need to continue to lean in on. And, and I think you guys are doing that that really well. And, you know, a mantra I have over and over because we get the calls. I'm sure you do too. We need a pastor. We need a youth pastor. We need a worship leader is you, the future is you, you're not going to be able to buy them. You got to build them. Um, exactly. And so you have to really think about um, how you're going to cultivate that within your own context in your own church. Um, and so it's just a really, that's, that's one of those things I could talk about, uh, quite, quite a bit, (laughs) which is great. So, um, let's talk a little bit about your event coming up in early November. The Northeast, Northeast, easy for me to say, Northeast Leadership yeah. Summit uh, is sort of your uh, large event that you, and it, this is not yeah. just for vocational leaders. It's not just for pastors. This is really for anyone who's involved in advancing the mission of the church. Um, yes. And you guys, uh, you know, from the first time I saw this event um, and I have a background in running events, I just meant, I was like the heartbeat of what you guys were doing, the culture of what you have. Uh, this is a really special day.
1: Yeah. So uh, the mission for Northeast Leadership Summit is developing disciples in their next steps of effectiveness for Jesus. And so every year we have a different focus concept. Uh, This year is Healthy Churches, um, Effective Leaders, and we're excited to have Carl Vaders in. Carl Vaders is a phenomenal leader. Um, Oh, sorry, I got that wrong. (laughs) Healthy Leaders, Thriving Churches. Carl is, uh, he's written some incredible books. I, I think his book, Small Church Essentials, is probably one of the best ministry books I've ever read. Um, he serves the 92% of churches that are under 250 primarily, but a lot of the things and principles that he teaches also are effective for larger churches, too. Um, so, yeah, wherever you're at size wise as a church, or if you're uh, someone who's a lay leader, a volunteer, uh, church member or a teen, we'd love to have you come out November 4th to Cortland, New York. And we've intentionally made this uh, an in-person experience. So like during COVID, we did not take it digital. Afterwards, people can listen to the sessions again, but we really emphasize the the embodiment uh, piece of this, of just coming together. So yeah, Cortland, New York, uh, make the trip out. We've got some some hotels uh, that are, are great. And um, we'd love for you and your team to take next steps in Let me look up all of the different breakouts. We have leadership, longevity, kids, ministry, conflict resolution, mobilizing volunteers, marriage, parenting, evangelism and discipleship, LGBTQ conversations, church planning, young adults and singles and breaking cultural barriers. And the best thing of the day is that Andy Needham (laughs) is going to be there with his wife, Bethany, as well. Um, It's going to be it's going to be awesome.
0: Well, it's a privilege to be love love to connect with anybody who is listening there in person. I will be there. It's always on my calendar and I really am thankful for what you guys have been building and to be able to be a support to it is, is truly, truly a privilege. Where can people go to connect with the Northeast, uh, collaborative and the NLS event?
1: Yeah. So our website is necollaborative.com. NE for Northeast dot com. And then you just click the NLS hashtag NLS 23 tab. You'll see all the speakers and info there. Awesome.
0: Dan, this has been a really great conversation. I always love connecting with you. I always try to find excuses to hang out. So here's one more. Uh, I know this will be very beneficial to those listening and i um, excited to see what God's going to do in the months and years ahead. I hope we get to plant many other churches together and to uh, yes. encourage many leaders, which I think God has in store for us. So thanks so much.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Andy. Thanks
0: so much for tuning in to this episode of the Evergreen Way podcast. On behalf of our entire team at Converge Northeast, it is a privilege to bring you these conversations to help you be a healthy leader for the long haul. We would love to connect with you. Find us on Instagram at Converge Northeast and send us a message. That's an easy way to connect with us. Or you can send me an email directly, andy at convergenortheast.org. We'd love to know what you think of the podcast ideas you might have, or even suggestions for potential guests in the future. Please remember to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you would, do us the favor, leave us a review. Let us know what you think and help other people discover this resource. Until next time, this is Andy Needham with Converge Northeast. Thanks so much for tuning in.